0: Support comes from Clipper Vacations, offering getaways on the Clipper Fast Ferry to Victoria, B.C. Clipper Ferry and hotel packages from $250 per person. Enjoy historic charm, afternoon tea, and more. Terms and conditions apply. Details and booking at clippervacations.com.
1: From KUW in Seattle, this is Soundside. I'm Diana O'Pong and for Libby Denkman. Last month, the first ever outbreak of Canada oris, a deadly fungus, was reported in Washington state. So far, four cases of infection from the fungus have been linked to a local long-term acute care facility in Seattle. Now, if Candida auris is new to you, you're not alone. The fungus was first identified in Japan in 2009 and causes an infection that can be fatal for people who are immunocompromised and those with weakened immune systems. Here to fill us in on the latest is Snohomish County Public Health Officer Dr. James Lewis. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So Dr. Lewis, how many cases have been confirmed in the state so far?
2: So so far, there's four cases associated with the outbreak in Seattle at the long-term acute care hospital facility. But we do know there are a handful of other cases that are imported. And so people here in Washington that came from out of state from another country or another state that uh, we know have candors but are not believed to be part of this outbreak
1: and of the three cases that were found, it sounds like they were found through screenings at Kindred Hospital in Seattle. Do you know what protocols are in place to help identify any additional cases moving forward?
2: Yes, absolutely. So uh, at Kindred Hospital, they are screening uh, new admissions upon, you know, whenever they're admitted. And that means also anytime they come back. So if they leave Kindred Hospital and go to another facility and then end up coming back to Kindred, they get screened again on that repeat admission. So everyone gets screened when they arrive. They do screening across the entire facility every six months as just routine screening uh, in case folks end up getting missed, you know, uh, during that initial screening. And then also, given this ongoing outbreak, there will be periodic uh, screenings that are going on every couple of weeks for until we identify no new cases on two consecutive screenings.
1: And one case was confirmed in Snohomish County. Any updates on the procedures happening there and what Snohomish County is keeping an eye on since they just have one confirmed case so far?
2: So there are, you know, long-term acute care hospitals like Kindred in Seattle, and then there are also places that are have higher risk of uh, folks having multidrug-resistant organisms like Candida auris can be. Those are ventilator-capable skilled nursing facilities. So in all the ventilator-capable skilled nursing facilities in the state, the Washington Department of Health recommends doing routine screening every six months, such as uh, is being done at Kindred. So that's what we refer to them for short as V-SNFs or ventilator SNFs. Uh, for ventilator-capable skilled nursing facilities uh, and LTACs. So that is currently being done at a facility in Snohomish County. And then we will also be doing subsequent screening for cases identified uh, in our facilities, as I mentioned before, at Kindred. So every couple of weeks until we identify no additional cases after two consecutive screenings. And so we're currently waiting our initial screening results now, but so far all the results have come back negative, which is promising.
1: Yeah, that is really promising. And something that catches the eye kind of quickly, Dr. Lewis, is the fact that this fungus can be fatal for certain people. Which groups of people are particularly vulnerable to catching it?
2: So the, the people who are most vulnerable of catching it are going to be, or at least being identified as colonized, are people who live in uh, congregate settings, particularly those where they have lots of uh, folks with indwelling devices, such as on ventilators or having indwelling catheters, that's urinary catheters, or bloodstream catheters like central lines. Uh, or other invasive devices like gastric tubes and things like that for feeding. So those folks are gonna be at highest risk. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the fact that they just have so much medical care and so many points of contact with uh, the healthcare system. And so uh, in, in our healthcare system, unfortunately, there's more environmental colonization with various, you know, bugs like Candida and other bacteria. And the more we come into contact with them, the more likely we can be colonized with them. And so there's a whole, you know, great team of infection prevention workers at every hospital that's trying to prevent this from happening and they do a great job. But unfortunately, you know, like everything, nothing is perfect. And so occasionally folks will get colonized with these these organisms like Candida auris. So what we're in the process of doing now is trying to limit the spread as much as possible by doing all of the screening and instituting isolation protocols for folks who are colonized. I did want to mention about the fatality issue, you know, about 10% of people or one in 10 of folks who become colonized with Candida auris will move on to have an infection. And that is when it can be deadly. But uh, nine out of 10 people who become colonized with Candida auris will never have infection and it will just live on their body uh, or in their body without causing significant problem. And this can be the case with a lot of bacteria that are drug resistant, as well as fungus, Candida auris that is drug resistant. So we should just be aware of that, that while these can cause significant problems, the majority of people um, will not move on to have a a deadly infection.
1: So you just confirmed that there have been no deaths so far in Washington with the confirmed cases that we have. Correct. Okay. so you've used a term a few times now that we've been talking that I think is so interesting. You said that patients are colonized. Why use colonize instead of infected or infection?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. Thanks for asking. So. We all have bacteria and fungus uh, that live on our skin and in our mouths and in our uh, uh, GI tract, and that's completely normal. And in fact, if we didn't have that, we would uh, be very susceptible to uh, more infections, and also, you know, not having uh, healthy skin it would potentially dry out and cause all sorts of problems for us. And so, it's very good to have bacteria both, you know, inside our bodies and on our skin. That's completely normal. And so sometimes the bacteria on our skin can be bacteria that's a little bit more dangerous, say, than what normally lives on people's skin uh, or in their GI tract. and. We say that people are colonized with these potential pathogens or, or you know, bugs that can cause uh, significant infection uh, whenever we find them there, but they're not actually sick from it. Mm. So people who are infected, we consider ill, and that would be people who have, you know, a wound infection or a bloodstream infection. So anytime we find bacteria in the blood, we consider that an infection or other sterile sites like the central nervous system uh, or in people's joints. So that's when we consider people sick is when they have an identifiable illness, Uh, whereas if they're colonized, we can find it there when we look, say, through checking stool samples, uh, nasal swabs, or skin swabs, uh, but we can't identify it causing any pathology or any uh, significant disease.
1: What guidance do you have on how folks can avoid contracting C-Aurus, which is another way of saying Canada Aurus was shorter? Is this a return to maybe some more regular masking or hand sanitizing or other protocols that we sort of learned during the COVID era?
2: Great question. So for Canada Aurus, we're really not concerned with airborne transmission or or respiratory transmission of this. So it's really more about contact. And most people generally don't need to be overly concerned about this, but people who work in healthcare settings or visit, you know, family members or friends in healthcare settings should really just wash their hands regularly and adhere to the the protocols that are in place when they're visiting people with candida oris, uh, working with people who have candida oris, or any other multi-drug resistant or potentially multi-drug resistant organism uh, for which individuals are put on isolation when they're in healthcare settings. And so that's things like uh, washing your hands when you go in, wearing gloves and maybe a gown when you go in. Uh, also, you know, depending on what care is potentially being given, you might need to wear, you know, a mask or or goggles um, if you know you're you're doing anything that could result in splashing, like giving a bath or something like that. And then washing your hands when you leave again and removing all of those personal protective equipment items that you put on when you went in. So just really observing that. And then if you bring anything into a room, uh, making sure you you wipe it down and clean it uh, appropriately whenever you're leaving. So, you know, if you're visiting a family member in the hospital and you bring your purse uh, or a package or some other item in and you're setting it down in the room, uh, being sure to wipe that down whenever you leave uh, to try and make sure you didn't pick up any candidores on that that you might then touch again later and pick up.
1: Are kids or adults more susceptible to a Canada auris colonization or infection?
2: Not in particular. So anyone can become colonized uh, with this or infected with it. But the people who will be most likely to get it is people who have less healthy immune systems or are otherwise ill and have lots of points of contact with healthcare. And, you know, uh, because generally those people have compromised microbiomes. And that's, you know, our, the bacterium fungus that live on our skin and in our gut normally. And so they are exposed to more antibiotics and other disinfectants that may kind of tamp down the normal microbiome that we have in those areas, uh, and then make them more susceptible to uh, becoming colonized with, with this yeast uh, or other multi-drug resistant organisms. But that can be, you know, children uh, or, you know, uh, older adults that that can apply to.
1: If someone was potentially exposed or thinks they might have a C. oris infection, what should they do to get screened? Are there any specific symptoms to look out for?
2: Well, we don't recommend screening for most people uh, because it really. There's no treatment necessary or or really available for folks who are identified to be colonized. It's really just making sure if you are colonized, and you go into a healthcare setting. We put you on appropriate isolation because there's no real intervention if you're colonized. So we really don't recommend screening for most people. Uh, now, occasionally there'll be family members of folks who have a colonization that we may want to screen due to them, you know, potentially going in and out of healthcare facilities to visit their relative on a regular basis or if they themselves may need to go in and out of healthcare facilities, a significant amount for their own care uh, so that they can be put on appropriate isolation precautions. But mostly the people who should be screened are folks who uh, are in the hospital uh, and very likely to be there for extended periods of time. And the people we really focus on screening are people who come into Washington from other places that we know have high incidence of candida So that's, you know, if if we have someone who comes from another state where we know there's a candidoris outbreak particularly if we know they were at a particular facility that has a candidoris outbreak uh, the other places would be countries that have high incidence of Canada auris, so places uh, mostly outside of the United States. Uh, if they come to the United States for care, um, then you know, we recommend those folks be screened. And then also, as I mentioned earlier, getting screened uh, regularly if you're a resident uh, or a patient in a long-term acute care hospital <laughs> or a ventilator-capable skilled nursing facility.
1: There are four confirmed cases so far here in the state of Washington. Is there anything that you're going to be keeping an eye out for related to this outbreak?
2: Well, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on all the results of the screening testing we're going to be doing over the next couple of months, probably. And uh, depending on how the results go and if we identify further cases, really figuring out where we need to do additional testing and if we need to do additional testing. Uh, The other thing is we're going to really work on making sure we're providing infection prevention education to places that need it, uh, that are involved in the outbreak or may become involved with the outbreak due to high rates of uh, exchange of patients or residents between uh, facilities that are impacted. So that'll be the big things we're keeping an eye on. And uh, and then obviously keeping track of the individuals who are colonized and, and making sure they don't become infected or we don't have any, any infection related deaths as a result of this. So we'll, we'll be keeping close eye on that.
1: Any last thoughts on what the public needs to know about the recent uptick in cases?
2: Well, I think the the big thing people need to realize is that you know the vast majority of people do not need to be overly concerned about it, but that you know Candida auris is a is a it's a good opportunity to remember that there is kind of a silent uh, epidemic of multi drug resistant organisms in general, of which Candida auris can be one. And it's really important to uh, try and prevent that as much as possible. So what individuals can do uh, to combat this antimicrobial resistance issue is to take all the antibiotics when they receive a prescription for antibiotics. Avoid taking antibiotics if you don't need it. So if your healthcare provider says that you have a viral infection and you don't need antibiotics, that is true for the vast majority of infections. People get Mostly are viral and you don't need antibiotics. They won't help and they can just contribute to increases in in drug resistance. So not taking antibiotics when you don't need them. Finishing antibiotics uh, whenever you do get them. And then washing your hands and um, uh, using appropriate precautions when they're indicated in, in healthcare care settings. Those are all things that people should be aware and continue to do.
1: Dr. James Lewis, Snohomish County Public Health Officer, thank you so much for joining me today and answering all of these really complicated and complex questions.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So something that I mentioned earlier is that C. auris is a relatively recent fungal infection, first identified in 2009. And in contrast to some of the epidemiology we've become accustomed to in the last four years, it's a fungal infection, not a viral one like COVID or the flu. To get a better idea of where this fungus comes from, what it does to our bodies and, well, what we should be worried about, I talked to Dr. Seth Cohen. Dr. Seth Cohen specializes in infectious diseases at the University of Washington School of Medicine. So let's just get to it. What is Candida auris?
0: Candida auris is a relatively recently identified species of yeast. And as you may know, there's this incredible invisible world all around us and inside our bodies comprised of microorganisms, many of these are bacteria and fungi. And so Candida is a yeast, which is a type of fungus. And so there are many different Canada species that normally live in our bodies that are normal parts of our microbiome, but Canada oris is not a normal part of the microbiome and has started to cause outbreaks um, in many, many parts of the world, primarily in healthcare facilities.
1: We've only been able to really identify C. auris since about 2009. What do you know about where the fungus originates?
0: You know, it's a very, very interesting story. The The Latin for oris means ear. And so it was actually identified originally in a patient's ear in Japan. Um, but, you know, it, at that point, it was probably already spreading to many other countries um, around the globe. And so it's not that, it you know, there's anything that the hospital in Japan did wrong. It, it was, you know, the cat was already out of the bag at that point, um, and it has continued to develop drug resistance. Um, and and one of the challenges is that we're not just talking about resistance to antifungal medications that we use in human medicine. You know, we use a lot of antifungals in agriculture, um, particularly, you know, in tulip farming um, and for many other, you know, plants and agricultural use. And because of these heavy use of chemicals in other industries, it contributes to increased resistance in these fungi and yeasts that are out in the world, and then can cause issues when they come into contact with humans.
1: And C. auris, which is the shorter version for Candida auris, is a fungal infection. In contrast with a viral infection like the flu or COVID, which a lot of us are more familiar with now over the past four years, how is a fungal infection different from a viral infection?
0: You know, it's a really good question. There are several different types of microorganisms that are out there. There are viruses, there are bacteria, there are fungi. Fungi are actually a little more similar to human cells than, say, viruses, which are totally different. And so it, the type of diagnostics that we use to um, figure out whether somebody has a fungal infection are different, and the medications that we use to treat fungal infections are totally different from viral infections.
1: Are certain groups more susceptible to a C. auras infection or serious complications from it?
0: Yes, absolutely. And that that's really gets into why it's so important to screen certain populations Um, But Canada auris infections tend to occur in patients who have had multiple or prolonged healthcare encounters, people who tend to be medically complex or vulnerable in general, and particularly people who are in the hospital and have certain types of IVs or urinary catheters or other devices in their body that Canada auris can then use to to get into their body and, and cause illness.
1: And what are some of the treatment options available if someone catches C auris?
0: There are medications to treat fungal infections, and it really depends on what the type of fungus is that you're dealing with. The challenge with Candida auris is it is resistant to many different types of antifungal treatment. So we do have treatment options available, but they are more limited than other types of Candida infections. There, there are a number of different classes of antifungal medications, and you know, Candida in general is something that we are used to seeing in the hospital and can cause infections in some people and as i mentioned before candida can also be a normal part of of your body um, but candida oris in particular requires very specific types of antifungal medications often they're iv medications rather than a pill that's available um, but we're, we're actually fortunate there have been a number of breakthroughs in antifungal treatment over the last few years and and so there's really a, a newer generation of antifungal treatments that are just coming to the market now, which is very, very exciting.
1: So treatment options are evolving as these funguses become a little bit more problematic, it sounds like. So far, public health officials have confirmed four cases of C. auris, and that's enough to classify it as an outbreak. But the CDC says reported cases of C. auris across the country have been on the rise in recent years. What do you know about why this particular fungal infection seems to be growing throughout the U.S.?
0: You know that, that that's exactly right. This is part of a rising tide of multi-drug resistant organisms in general. Uh, Washington State has been relatively spared from this so far, but many of our you know surrounding states on the West Coast, um, but also on the East Coast, have been dealing with this you know for several years now. And outbreaks of Canada Horus have been not uncommon in, in many other states, and just because of its ability to silently spread and either colonize patients or spread within healthcare facilities it, it can do so you know quite quickly before coming to recognition and you know th- this outbreak you know thankfully was identified just as it should be you know the the hospital where the outbreak occurs is doing surveillance and reported it very quickly to public health but i will say this is something that could occur at any healthcare facility and and it's really a call that all healthcare facilities in our local area and in our state need to be doing surveillance for Canada Oris.
1: Yeah, one of the things you mentioned that I think is really interesting is that there's been an uptick and the CDC reports that see Oris cases shot up 94% from 2020 to 2021, which strikes me as a little strange as we were doing reporting for this interview, because that would have been during COVID lockdowns when people were not as gathered. Any thoughts of why that might be?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. Part of it, I think, is you know we're doing more surveillance on it, so we're finding it, um, and our methods for detecting it are, are better than they were before. Um, but I, but I really think about it you know a little bit differently from COVID, where it's less about social distancing in the community and it's more about outbreaks in healthcare facilities, um, particularly in facilities that may not be able to do uh, as much surveillance.
1: Lastly, Dr. Cohen, I'm sure I'm not the only one who hears about a deadly fungus outbreak and thinks, oh boy, here we go again. Any last thoughts on how concerned we should actually be as cases rise?
0: Well, I, I know it sounds scary to hear about uh, these these deadly fungal infections. I would say the good news is that kinodorus is really not a threat to healthy people. Um, and so currently the CDC doesn't even recommend any screening of family members. Um, Even if somebody has contact with a known patient who has Candida auris, um, these infections can be prevented by people washing their hands. Um, And and so that's really what we're focusing on in hospitals. It's just good fundamentals of hand washing, identifying um, patients early, and then making sure if they need to be there, they're in uh, isolation. But I just wanna reassure um, any any, um, people who may be listening to this that this is primarily um, an issue in hospitals and healthcare facilities among vulnerable patients. And it really has minimal impact on the surrounding community.
1: What will you be keeping an eye on going into the future related to this deadly fungus or any other outbreaks that might be occurring?
0: You know, Canada auris is one of those things that's been keeping me up at night, you know, for several years, um, because I do think these outbreaks can happen um, unexpectedly at at any time. And so we're, you know, we've been working very hard on making sure that our own screening protocols are as as strong as possible, uh, and making sure that we're tracking these outbreaks quickly. And it's really been, you know, the last few years has been a great opportunity to make sure that we've got a good relationship with public health and the State Department of Health and the CDC, and that there's a lot of communication about this. And so I I, I feel that we're actually in a very good position to help deal with these outbreaks. But unfortunately, over the next few years, I do think we will continue to see several of them um, in the news.
1: Okay, you just said something really interesting to me (laughs) that caught my ear. You said this has been keeping you up at night for the past couple of years. Why is that?
0: Well, you know, it's one of those things where we, we haven't always had strong diagnostics to help Detect these uh, infections. And it wasn't, it hadn't always been clear to me, you know, whether we'd be able to diagnose Canada as promptly as we'd like to or identify somebody who might be colonized with it. And I think we're in a much better place now to be able to do that. We just have, you know, better laboratory resources and, you know, better support at the you know, state and, and federal level. Um, but it's, you know, yet another. Uh, pathogen in healthcare that is really a significant concern and we really need to be paying attention to and taken seriously.
1: Dr. Seth Cohen specializes in infectious diseases at the University of Washington School of Medicine. Thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thanks for listening to SoundSide. This show is only possible because listeners support us. If you're able to give right now, please check out the show notes for a link to donate. And don't forget, you can listen live on KUOW 94.9 FM Seattle at noon and 8 p.m. Monday through Thursday or anytime online at KUOW.org.
0: Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's Teen Dance Ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.